127 on the mic exists simply as an extension of our college ministry, 127 at FBC Brian. Our prayer is that this podcast be used in accordance with you belonging and investing into a local body. We hope that this resource is growing in a relationship with and understanding of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What up, what up, podcast world? We are back. Week number two of 127 on the mic. Um, If you didn't catch our episode last week, we uploaded our first episode for the podcast, simply just introducing what this is. If you don't know me, my name is Zach. Um, If you want to know a little fun fact about me, I'm back with the smooth DC. That rhymed. That was impressive. Um, do you want to introduce, introduce yourself? Literally, literally walked into the podcast room with a bag full of McDonald's. Dude, McDonald's slaps. I got so much food for ten dollars. It makes that voice sound so smooth. By the way, literally, I got medium fries. No, large fries. Sorry, I upgraded. Large fries, two plain. I'm about to expose myself. Two plain cheeseburgers. Nothing on them. Plain and dry with cheese. Okay. Okay. That's the way to go. And then we got 10-piece McNuggets, two cookies, and barbecue sauce. Barbecue sauce you're, for the cookies. You're like, what would happen if a toddler hey, no, 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 was no. given a car <laughs> and a debit card? That's exactly what I would do and went to McDonald's. Exactly. That is a straight-up bag of death. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Straight-up bag of smooth DC. <laughs> All right. It's, it's John, the college pastor. Um, I don't know if you need to know anything about me after putting that man... In the on dirt. blast all of a sudden. Gosh. Yeah, and this is T. I'm the associate college pastor, and there's not much you need to know about me either. So here we are. If you guys want to know a little bit more about us again, check out last week's um, podcast. There's a little bit more of an introduction. I'm sure in, in the coming weeks we will um, sort of walk through a little bit of our stories um, and whatnot. But um, this week we're actually diving into content. Um, this is sort of an idea we came up with, but we thank you guys for submitting ideas. We have gotten a few of them and we will address them in the coming weeks. But this week we are talking about managing conflicts and what that kind of looks like, especially in the biblical sense, because I think it looks completely different in the world we live in compared to um, what God calls us to do. So I got, I got conflict with you clowns in the room right now already. Why? Speak it. Because the Red Sox got last place. (laughs) Yeah. You're just mad. You're just (laughs) mad that your team is bad. In the hardest division in baseball, and my season's over. And so now I don't even... Now you get to watch the best team. You get a root for the Astros. Not, now even, I get not to, even this weekend, because we didn't even need to play in the wild card. I get to... That's true. I mean, props to the Astros for winning in the weakest division in baseball. But also, I get to cheer for that team. Also had the second best record in the league. That's fine, because you play in the weakest league in baseball. It don't matter. But listen, a win's a win. I get, to, <laughs> I get to cheer for those Braves. Doing that little tomahawk chop. Go Atlanta. That's all I'm saying. Go Atlanta? Go right now. Go how Atlanta. You, how do you get from Boston to Atlanta? John's a Yankees uh, fan. You go south. <laughs> hey, John, John's a, a Yankees lot. fan. No, <laughs> if you say that, that is straight up conflict. Straight <laughs> up. He cheered hey, for the Yankees. We will, we will have a different kind of beef. Like, I'm, I'm okay being in the room with Astros fans. Well, you are, so you better be okay with it. And so we're here. Yeah, but, two of them. But as soon as it flips to like a Yankees fan, there's still just this pent up bitterness that that I have. And I don't even know where it comes from. I'm not even from Boston. It's not even that deep. If I was from Boston, I probably would already punch somebody. Yankees fans are, are ruthless. And I think recently they don't really have an excuse to be ruthless. They haven't, My, they haven't beat us. And y'all's, in y'all's lifetime, they've only won one championship. Right. Yeah. I think one. I think one, maybe two. They're like the like my Philadelphia Eagles in the NFL are the Yankees in the MLB. I just I don't I don't like them. The whole Yankee with no brim thing that's just weird to me. <laughs> I don't like that. That's why I, I got beef with them. Trend. What right. 
Is it like a hat with no like no actual brim? Is that what that is? Uh, it's just weird. Like that? I don't know. Yankees. Well, conflict. Why is there conflict to begin with, guys? Why can't we all just get along? <laughs> <laughs> um, that That's big because... Uh, I think we would all agree, like really jumping into this, that um, not all conflict is avoidable. Like conflict just has to be um, because of the world that we live in, one. It, it just has to be. And, and the other side of this, this is not, I don't think where we're going with this at all, but, but Christians must, and I think are called to stand their ground um, for things, even if, like even if it destroys relationships. And and that's like, here's John's aggression coming out just in this one in this one spot. But uh, Matthew chapter ten, Jesus is talking. He says, "Don't assume that I came to bring peace on earth." He said, "But I I didn't come to bring peace, but I came to bring the sword. I will turn a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his household." And so, even from Jesus' own own words, he's like, "There's going to be conflict, even all the way down to the most personal of levels." If you're, our, if you're a committed Christ follower, conflict is a thing um, at a certain level. But as we, we probably put on display, most of the conflict in our lives is not from this. Most of the conflict in our lives is from things that irritate, uh, frustrate our secondary, tertiary, non-primary issues in our lives that we just let us affect because we're... Uh, what's a good word for that? We have outspoken ideas about certain things like some things t has some outspoken ideas about yeah i i'm if you know me at all you know that i don't think lactose intolerant or peanut allergies <laughs> are a thing like i think that's like i think that has developed in the last like five years i'm not going to pull like the uh, the old person card and say it's because of cell phones i just i think it's a mental thing <laughs> i can kind of i could kind of get behind peanut allergies i still haven't seen that yet in my life but lactose intolerant i think is a mental thing and i don't know why but that's or no, it's gluten free too. It's all gluten free too. You throw shade at all of them. Gluten's a like, what is gluten even? It's a, it's a protein. I don't know. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just a gluten is bread. Communication just major. Bread. <laughs> you just eat McDonald's, dude. <laughs> that's all I do. You good? Yeah. Hey man, there's got to be gluten in McDonald's. You, I think all three of those are in McDonald's. Yeah. So I'm not gluten free. So he don't got nothing against me. Me and me and Zach are cool. Yeah. We cool. But I think. I think when you ask why why is there conflict to begin with, I think you've got to define what it is. And John kind of hit on that is I've gotten to see kind of both sides of it. I remember council year in Impact, we had a girl who came in and was um, a practicing Mormon. And then within the next couple of weeks after stepping out of Impact, ended up denouncing that, got some like real aggressive mail and phone calls from the Mormon church, but our family as well. And to see the conflict that arose in her family is like John said, is like that was not a not a peaceful thing. But then you see the other side, and I, I look back at, at Mikey, our former youth pastor, is that dude is a diehard LeBron James is the GOAT fan, and he let you hear about it. And so Mikey had a little bit of conflict with all of us, but it wasn't on like that deep, deep level that John was talking about. It was more of like the, hey, I remember once, I think it was John, I think John was teaching one Sunday. I, if I'm right, you were teaching from stage one Sunday, mm -hmm. and he had a sign about why LeBron was better, and he stuck it on the the very first pew, so the entire time John's seeing this wow. thing. And then like again, that's not that's not like a sin thing. Yeah. It's just that's that's what he he believes. John thinks something different. And so they're allowed to kind of have that conflict. And that answers, I mean, is is conflict a sin? No. Can it lead to sin? Yeah. Yeah. So y'all would say then 
even <clears throat> sort of before the fall, like even in a perfect world, there would still be some sort of conflict because of the ways the Lord's uniquely made us. Would y'all say that? Yeah, what we looked at the definition um, of this, which may help everybody listening, maybe define where we're going or or what we're thinking anyway. Yeah, so when you, when you look up conflict, uh, the noun of it is a serious disagreement or argument, typically a protracted one, and we talked about because of that noun itself, it can lead to the verb or the action, and the action being to be different, opposed, or contradictory. And so that's the that's what the dictionary says conflict is, as a noun and a verb. Yeah, so there, there's a fun combination of um, New Testament clearly saying that we are to live at peace with one another. Um, New Testament clearly saying that you are to just to battle um, for that in the body as a reflection to a lost world um, of, of where we're at, of the type of relationship that we have. And so the LeBron versus MJ debate um, is, is, can be defined as conflict, but it doesn't move into the verb sense of that until the point that I argue MJ's greatness and LeBron, fa- Le- LeBron fan loses his mind and attacks me for it physically then we've gone into um, a different level of, of conflict. But a majority of it, especially in, in a college sense, I think, um, that we're going to run across are not primary theological divisive um, issues. They are, we already said it, they're secondary. Um, I, I don't like, this is a good way to describe it, but this is not an insult. They're soft issues. And and so... Um, I kind of want to, hiding in this room behind a podcast mic, I kind of want to go, hey, get over it. Mm. Um, but I can't because I'm just as guilty of it as other people of being offended. And so then I look at Proverbs 19.11, um, and, and in Solomon's wisdom, he says, a person's insight gives him patience, and his virtue is to overlook an offense. A person's insight gives him patience, and his virtue is to overlook an offense, which is like, don't be so easily offended. Don't don't hold some of your high don't don't hold some of your beliefs in such high regard that when somebody doesn't believe as you do, you want to break up. You don't want to leave the relationship. You want to um, lean away from the relationship. This is this is the thing I think that we have to lean into as far as conflict and how do we deal with that? Because I think that's a bigger issue for us. Yeah. So. We obviously talked about there's there's conflict in the world, whether that be um, at a result of sin or maybe just like differing viewpoints. That is just the way the Lord made us. Um, so sort of like rolling into that, um, what is a biblical way we should go about managing conflict? And this can be either on the regard of, hey, we're just made differently and, and it's okay to disagree in these, in these aspects, or it can also be in the way of, hey, one person sinned against the other. How do we manage that conflict? So y'all can kind of come at it from two different perspectives, or if there's the same one, I don't know. I, I think we probably should go for the the one that I want to talk about less, <laughs> and that's the I've been offended by sin, and there's a conflict that I have with somebody because of what I believe is a primary issue or a sin issue or an unforgiveness issue in my life that has caused conflict. What does the Bible say about that? That, that's the thing maybe that we should address. Matthew chapter 18 is that. Uh, Luke chapter 17 is that. And and I think each of those, we don't even have to read them because if if you're listening to this and you go open your Bible and, and you look at those verses, 
um, they're going to be really, really prescriptive on what you're, what you're supposed to do. Um, it is if, if someone has sinned against you, you go to them one-on-one. And I think this is one of the first things that, that we should get in our mind. Um, the, your approach after an offense is to go head to head with that person, um, and, and deal with it. And this is probably our biggest issue is that we haven't learned to get over ourselves enough, or we haven't learned, uh, this is aggressive. We haven't learned to love Jesus well enough to step into those spaces for the good of the body and to go, you've wronged me. And, and as I love you, as Christ loves the church, I need this to be made right so that we can function, so that you can function, so that I can function. Um, and there needs to be forgiveness in this relationship because it's been wronged. And I mentioned this to these guys the other day. The only spaces, this is scary, the only spaces in Scripture that the Lord has, re- has released people to be tormented by the enemy, released people to be tormented by Satan, is when they were living in unforgiveness. Mm. If we don't learn to make war for that, and that's the hard side of that, then then the body can just get ripped apart. I think part of this too is, is a lot of people when they read that passage, um, I think a, a, an easy trap to fall into is, is they just go to other people instead of addressing the problem head on with this person. Um, I, I've seen it happen a multitude of times. I've experienced it myself, um, but it, it's, it's not the way that the Bible prescribes us to approach conflicts that are, that are because of sin. Um, the Bible is clear that we go one-on-one with this person and we address it and we be clear. We don't, we don't dodge around the topic. We don't um, soften it up. We, we attack it head on and we're truthful and we're honest. We speak the truth in love. We bring things into the light that are hard. Um, and I think we fall into that trap a lot. Yeah, I, I agree. I think a lot of people just tend to, is they want to go and get people on their side. Is they want, they want to, they want a group behind them and a group of people, the people they typically get are people that are going to let them Tell them what they want to hear, and hey, you're right, you're right. And I think, honestly, this playing out in Matthew 18 is, like John said, it is very clear and straightforward. And I think getting to see this kind of play out has been a really cool thing because you read it, and a lot of times you don't get to see it play out because, one, you don't do it yourself or you're not around people who do. But being in a ministry is throughout college as an ministry called Impact. I'm, most people listening to this has probably heard of Impact, and it's led by a guy named Phil Rich, great guy, and I think he has established a community and a ministry that mirrors this really well. And so if you look at it is kind of what happens, and I really got to see this through my brother. He was on exec last year, um, stepped into a role called staff development, and so he had to handle a lot of that, as well as one of my best friends, Madeline, was the the girl side of that. And they had, there were some cases is where somebody would mess up in the camp, whether that was living in sin, they they did something wrong against somebody else in that camp. And typically what would happen is the co-chair, the person in charge of that camp, would address them one-on-one, and they would do a good job. And a lot of times it ended there. And, and co-chairs do a phenomenal job, and they're trained in, in a way that allows them to do that. And a lot of times it would end there. But if it didn't, you would see them as they would go and say, okay, hey, like th- this is not ending. Now, now what do I do? So I go and grab my trainer. I go and grab scotty or madeline staff development and so i'm going to bring in more people into this and then typically if it didn't stop at that one-on-one is it would normally end and and be resolved right there and if it didn't that's when in 18 it's they go to the church in this case it's bringing it to the rest of impact it's bringing it to phil and like i said most times you're not getting to that point but then in matthew chapter 18 is when it ends and if there there's no resolved is i mean it says in there what is the end of it says and if they refuse to listen 
even to a church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector is typically an impact. And when that happens, they're asked to leave the ministry. And so I think even just watching that from a practical sense has been really, really cool. And it's been a blessing to see how Phil has kind of mirrored that throughout that ministry. And so, like I said, my chapter 18, it's very clear, but it is very difficult. And I think a lot of times it comes back to you and what you're doing. Yeah, so we see, obviously, this is this is a clear and, and obvious, clearly laid out in Scripture approach. Um, and my question to y'all is, is this approach always necessary? Because I know this is, again, the sin the sin aspect. Someone sinned against me. This is the approach I'm going to use. Um, do we use this approach when um, we're just made differently? When we, Again, what we talked about earlier, when we're just, um, you know, we have, we have dif- disagreements because of the way we grew up or, or whatnot. Like, is this approach always necessary? Um. It's a loaded question a little bit, I think, uh, because uh, Matthew 18, 15, if like a, a brother sins against you, then you go and address that with him one-on-one, and if he responds or if he repents, then you've gained your brother back. Um, and, and so depending on when you, when you connect that idea with um, even what I read from, from Proverbs about not being easily offended, um, a lot of that approach is going to deal with you, not with the other person. And so I have, and I, I, I said this from the beginning, I'm not offended by Astros fans. It's fun to have you guys around. Um, yeah, we're winners. I mean, and you like to be surrounded by winners. That's, that's true. Um, <laughs> in, in this context, it's great. Um, and so it would feel different with Yankees fans. And I say that joking as a Red Sox fan, um, but it would feel different because of I've now made it a little bit more personal to me. Um, can I get over that in baseball? Sure. I mean, that, that's not the issue. But because I've made it personal to me, then the level of offense has is, is higher. And so it's not, it's not that we just throw out Matthew 18 unless there's an egregious sin. Um, I think that it, it's a great baseline to function on. Um, but I think that what we should more be focusing on is how is Jesus changing me to, to live more humbly, to... Um, to reflect him in all situations, to Romans 12, 1, to love one another with brotherly affection, outdoing one another and showing honor. Um, am, am I growing in that more than, than am I growing in my ability to handle offense? And, and I think that's the, that's the place that we have to go with this thought um, on how do we deal with being offended? Uh, because I, I was looking at, even as we were kind of talking about what, what direction we'll go here and, and not knowing exactly, we didn't script the podcast completely, but not knowing where we're going to land, looking at James chapter 4, and, and James chapter 4 says, what is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have, you murder and covet and you cannot obtain, you fight and you wage war, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Again, it, it sets us up into this, this space of how are we thinking, what are we desiring, all of those things. And, and when you're functioning in that spot, then you're, you're easily offended. And I just logically connect that to Genesis chapter 4. And, and in Genesis chapter 4, when at the end of 3, when, when God basically speaks that death is going to be a thing, and then Cain and Abel are born— and then they bring sacrifices to God from their labor, which was labor from the land and labor from the farm as an animal and, and grain. And, and God accepts one as pleasurable from Abe and then does not the other one. And it stirs up within Cain this, this like anger. For, uh, 1 John chapter 3 says that 
the reason that God rejected Cain's sacrifice was that his deeds were evil. And, and so his approach to the whole thing was coming from a bad place. And because he didn't, be, well, because God rejected the offering, then we see the response that many of us probably struggle with in our lives is that we care about our reputation more than we care about relationships. And because this made me look bad in front of God, then I'm going to have to do something about it. And often in our sin, it's I'm going to make the other person look bad. Mm. I, I want to destroy the relationship there and wreck them. And I'm hurt, so now how can I hurt them? He took it to the extreme, took him out where nobody was and murdered him. Um, and and then, you know, his blood was speaking from the ground like a haunting verse that we see in Genesis chapter 4. Hmm. He took that all the way to the extreme. But why did he do that? Because his uh, he, he allowed himself to be offended to a certain point, to a certain point because he wanted his reputation to be here. That's the I think that's the thing that we have to deal with right off the bat. And so what's the opposite of what I think Cain probably struggled with was pride. What, what's the opposite of that for us, and how do we get there? That's, that's challenging for sure. Um, my my follow-up question to that, um, and y'all weren't really ready for this, but what? So if someone finds themselves in this state of being easily offended, um, how might they go about um, seeking the Lord in that? Is there maybe even personally, like ways that you've seen when you run to the Lord with this stuff um, that's effective? Because um, I know there's probably a lot of people that's like, you know, something gets said to them just at the wrong time in the wrong way, and, and they're easily offended for, gosh, maybe even like a week, and they, it hits them every single day. Um, what should someone do in that scenario? I think, I mean, even looking at my own life as at times that I've been offended, and I think, praise the Lord, I've been raised in a way that I, I don't get offended very easily. I don't really care what people think of me too much. Um, and, and that's a, it's a blessing, but there are still times I get offended. And like looking back at those times is there, there's going to be times that you have a bad day. Like I, that, that's not, I mean, everybody has those days and in those days, it's very, very easy to let one small comment, one small thing affect the rest of your day. And that happens. But if you're, if you're in a constant state of sitting there and being affecting these little things is, is hurting your feelings or whatever it is, is like you were saying, is I think there's something wrong. And I can look back on my life is typically in those times, it's when I'm furthest away from the Lord. And it's when I'm looking inward and, or, or looking horizontally and less vertically. Um, I, I think a lot of times it's when we begin to take our eyes off of the Lord, we begin to, we begin to look down and then comparison sets in and we begin to look horizontally, like I was saying, at the people next to us and comparison sets in. And then we, we begin to forget and, and like I said, is the less we look at God, the more we see of the world. And because of that, I think those those little comments and what we're saying do tend to build up and, and kind of snowball effect inside of us. And so um, I, I think that's, I mean, just practically is for me is like those times that I can, that I remember getting offended over and over and over. And it was just like this, like, why is, why are people always offending me? It, it's when I was furthest away from the Lord. And it was yeah. like my, my quiet times were off. They were inconsistent. My prayer life was weak. Worship music was not being played in the car or whatever it is. And so I think... The, that typically, to me, it has been in direct um, correlation with where my walk with the Lord is at that time. Yeah, he, you didn't plan this, thankfully, but that connects directly to what James is like screaming loud in chapter 4. Because where he goes in verse 4 after he's, he's talked about this, he says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? So whoever wants to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. And, and so he's connecting the source of wars and fights um, and 
conflict and disagreement among people to our pride, to our passions that are waging war within us. And he says, your pride makes you a friend of the world. And if you're a friend of the world, then you're an enemy of God. And the, here's the, when, when I ask that open-ended question, that like, what's the opposite of pride? And it's a thing that we, we often struggle with is being humble. And the dangerous part about pride is that you can't, you don't negotiate with pride. You don't, you don't um, play along with pride because pride is going to make you feel like it's there for your self-preservation, that it's there for um, your, your protection if, if this rises up and you protect yourself. Um, but pride's aim, the enemy's aim is to destroy you in that pride, not to help you. It's, the easiest application is it's the kiss from Judas. Like mm-hmm. if, it, it felt like that was loving and it was a curse. Um, now it was needed in that story, but, but that's what it feels like for me. And so, so how do you kill your pride is that you humble yourself to that point. And when you do that, then the rest of this, the rest of this verse comes alive. Or do you think that it's without reason that Scripture says the spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely, verse 6, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. And so when we trust God to wreck our pride and to grow our ability to be humble, and in that growth, we see God's grace poured out on us. And when, when you're receiving God's grace, one of our big things in our ministry is that when you receive it, then other people see it and other people are blessed by it. And so in our humility, we're able to put away our selfish grumbling. We're able to, to put away our prideful disagreements and uh, Philippians 2, 14 and 15. I think that's where that verse is. It says that when, when you do that, you begin to shine like stars. Mm-hmm. When you can put away those things, you begin to shine like stars and people see that you are God's children and there's an attractiveness to that, and so they, they're drawn to that, and they wonder what's going on. And so pride conceals that. Pride hides that. Humility lets that shine out, and you not only get to walk in like a really cool agreement with people and conflict begins to fade, but then the lost world begins to look at you and go, what is going on with you that you are that way? This is, this is the danger of conflict, even in small forms, because our pride gets in the way of it, and we can't walk this way. Yeah, that's, that's a really good word. And I think, too, when you, T kind of hit on this, but the more you invest yourself in the Word of God, the more you know and understand who God's called you to be. And that's your true identity, not what not what someone else says about you. And I think naturally that's going to um, just lean your heart in, in a posture that's that's humble before the Lord because he, you know what He's done for you, and you know who you are because of what He's done for you. And so um, my last kind of question for you guys is, and hopefully you guys kind of answer this and then give a response of how they can um, kind of fix this. Um, but the question is, what are some problems you guys see in today's culture, even within the Christian bubble or culture, whatever word you want to use there, and um, with the ways that we solve conflicts? I think, I'm going I'm to say this, I think it is, and right now I feel like we, we for the most part, have been hitting on conflicts between Christians. And, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of times is, I can look back at my time and elsewhere is when you're answering questions from people is you can answer it from one of two ways is yourself as a believer, is this conflict or is this issue with another Christian or is it with a non-believer? And if those are two things, I think you have to go about it in two different ways is, I mean, looking at today's culture is, is handling conflict a lot of times with, as a Christian with a non-believer is you're, you're seen as judgmental. And I think sometimes Mm -hmm. we go about that in that way. And even as, 
Christians, conflicts with Christians is, like John said, going back to Philippians 2, if you ever need to read anything on humility, that is one of one of my favorite passages to do so, and I think a lot of times in that, it's because you're serving yourself, and when you start to serve yourself is, is because you're being prideful, and those those conflicts begin to build up, and then and two, it's talking about being humble and, and serving others around you, and so in that humility is when you tend to serve people, I think those conflicts tend to disappear or not pop up as much. It's when you're when you're serving yourself and living a prideful life that it begins to happen. But I think we have to answer this in two different ways of, okay, is this conflict between two Christians? And if it's not, if it's between a Christian and non-believers, how do we go about that in a way that they would understand and is loving and doesn't come off as judgmental or I'm better than you? And so I think those those are the two big ways that you have to hit on. Yeah, and I I don't want to sadden this up a little bit, but but our approach between brother, 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 sister in Christian relationship is so different than unbeliever, believer. Yeah. Um, and there's going to be times, and I said this from the get-go, there's going to be times that Christians have to stand against things um, that a lot of the world are going to go, yeah, that's wrong. I mean, sex trafficking and um, human rights stuff, sure, but... But things that I would look at and go, that is blatantly wrong, like abortion, where a, a larger percentage of the world is going, no, it's okay, that's going to be a source of contingent, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a space that we can't be soft on. We can be loving on, but we're not going to go, oh, yeah, I'm not going to be aggressive in that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let that one slide. No, it's, it's the murder of God's children. And so we, 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 have to, we have to be a little bit more aggressive with those things. What's going to set you apart and allow you in that space, and, and T mentions this, is is our humble response reflecting God's love even in areas of like really, really high contention, even in, in um, very like contentious spots where we know that this is probably going to be some sort of aggressive, maybe not physically, but it's just going to be an aggressive moment. Can they look at us and go that for some reason, even in that spot, they were able to reflect God's love? Um, and that's hard. I'm not saying that that's easy, uh, but but Matthew five nine, blessed are the peacemakers, um, and and that's what he's calling us as believers to be. It should be our first function, even as we're battling. We should still strive to be peacemakers um, in all spaces. But let me say this: a majority of the people listening to this, and the majority of people that we rub shoulders with in college ministry and in churches, that's not your primary source of contention. Mm-hmm. It's not your primary source of conflict. And we're bad at handling it within the body, and so we're terrible at handling it outside of the body. And so why can't we practice it in the safe space in the body? Um, Matthew 5, it continues, if if you're bringing your sacrifice to the altar and and you remember you have something against your brother, leave it there and go deal with that because God's intimacy with you is so connected with your intimacy with other people that if you have a relationship issue, he's irritated by your offering. And so deal with those, and he calls you to deal with those. And so why wouldn't we practice that in a safe space and make it a safe space when somebody comes to you? Again, it's a pride issue. If, if Zach comes to me and goes, hey, you've offended me this way, I need to be in the right spot to go, bro, you're right. Like, even if I'm mad, even if I'm offended, my response to you should be loving and go, dude, I'm sorry, and, and I'm going to need some time to sit in that maybe and, and then respond to you. Let me think about it. Let me pray about it. But thank you for bringing that to light then it becomes a safe space for us to, to deal with conflict here so that when we have to deal with it in the world, we're better at it. Yeah, I think, I mean, go, kind of kind of back to the original question, you said within the Christian culture and what John is saying, 
is if Zach, you have a problem with John, you go to him. If John has to be in a place as a as a Christian brother to say, yeah, you're right. But I think also a lot of times the the issue that we see within Christian culture is we are very prideful people, and and it happens. Christians are prideful just like anybody else. And I think a lot of times is when you go to someone, whether it's a it's a it's a believer or a non-believer, is they can they a lot of times they turn it right back on you and say, well, hey, this is what you did to me. This is how I'm feeling because of that. And all of a sudden, now the now the script has been flipped, and now now we're seen in our eyes kind of as the bad guy or whatever it is. And and that's where a lot of times it is where where are you at with pride? If you handle that in a humble situation and and humility, you can go about that in, in a really cool way in a beautiful way of like, oh hey. You're right. Like both of us are, are wrong in this area, so let's work through this together. And but if you handle that in a very prideful way, you immediately and you want to flip it on its head and be like, "Well, no," and you start arguing, and you realize it's like you're again you're you're looking at the speck in your brother's eye when you have a log in yours. And and so I think you have to go about that in a very very careful way. And I think that is one of the big issues of Christian culture is a lot of times the people going to have that one on one conversation enter it in a very prideful stance. Yeah, that's all. Amazing, amazing stuff. I mean, I know we didn't hit everything in regards to managing conflict. I think we would be here for days upon weeks upon months of answering how to manage conflict in a way that that scripture calls. I mean, it's a simple idea, but it's also, I know there's so many complex scenarios and examples. Um, And so if you do have a question coming out of this or even just in general and you want to submit it to us, you can submit it to us um, on Instagram at 127FBCBrian. It's also the same on Facebook or I'm on the Podbean app. There is also a submit podcast ideas section, and you can do that there as well. Um, but I think that's everything. Do y'all have anything else? Stay humble, friends. I was going to say stay humble. I'll, I'll end with one thing, and I, I think it's very practical for a lot of people. I think we see it, and it, I, may, I may go in a little different direction with it. But go for it. I look at PBC. If you looked at crack PBC pipe, yeah, I'm going PBC. This, this I weird. Thought it said PBC, like the, <laughs> PBC, like the TV professional the old TV boxing show. But championship. PBC is if you look at it, it, is say you have PBC with a crack on it or crack in it, and is if you push water through it and it's going real slow, it typically doesn't leak. But when you start to throw a lot of water through it, is that's when you begin to see the, this water leaking out and spewing out. And I think a lot of times is that water is very similar to time. And I think the more time you spend with someone the easier it is to see, hey, like these are their good things, but it's also very, very easy to see the the bad in them. And, and it's a, it's vice versa is that it's also easy for them to see that bad in you. And so I think just very practical stance on if you are having issues with someone, specifically a non-believer, is maybe just give them some space, take some time. Um, and so I don't, we don't really talk about that, but I think giving giving someone space and, and checking your own heart and then going to them is a, is a good idea. But that's, that's all I got for you. Sweet. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have multiple podcasts on managing conflict. So um, again, if something didn't get addressed and you want it to be addressed, let us know and we'll do that. Um, but I think that's all we have for this week. So we will see you guys next week on 127 on the mic. Go Braves. Go Stros. Go Stros. All day. All day.